Ooh, and we're live. Countdown coming up, and I'll join you for another perspective shortly. Good afternoon, everybody. Scott Stevens here with another well, let's just say another perspective on some of the topics uh, that are kind of relevant in the world today. Some get talked about, some don't. And this is kind of where we want to be is to begin to be able to discuss some of these things before they jump out at you and then they become uh, a little bit larger than we'd like them to be when they finally arrive on your doorstep. Uh, an example of that being just this, this COVID-19 thing issue. I had a Ran into a friend back in January. We talked about the uh, the virus. I, uh, well, it's funny because I just met her in the park the other day, and she was telling me about this uh, experience that she had with me back in January. She said, Scott, I don't know how many times I've retold your story over the past couple of months, but over and over and over again, and I'm hoping I'm doing it justice and not making it bigger than it is, but you gave me the heads up. You gave me an understanding and a clear view of what was coming, and she said, here I am wearing a mask. And it's July and everything has come to pass. And so this is kind of what we would like to do is to be able to do those things for you. And so a couple of weeks back, we talked about uh, or I ended a show with a statement called calling them random black swans. And I want to hit that again today, because if you're not paying attention, then they are random black swans, when in reality, they're just part of the news that has grown to a portion to where it now is inside your sphere of awareness, where the story is big enough that the nightly news will cover it. The story's always been there. It just wasn't getting the coverage. And if you're not looking out there, if you're not searching for these kind of events, then, you know, you're going to be surprised. Good to see you, Vicki and, and Robert, on there this afternoon. Kind of a quiet, what is this, Wednesday afternoon out there. You guys just had a great show with Vicki. A little fatigued from that. Time to go get a little dinner. But then, you know, here we go once again. All right, so let's uh, jump on into this random black swan thing and, and go through a list. There. There is no shortage of things that may in the short term or maybe even at a few weeks or months end up being newsworthy. But nonetheless, by the end of the year, I think all of these are going to be uh, are going to be issues. So we kind of started 2020 off in a great style, the year of the rats. And it was Chinese New Year upon which China began to lock down a society, its civilization. That third weekend, that first full of new moon in, in January, beginning their new year. So this has kind of been the joke. I don't know how many memes there are, more than my, my phone has room to save, but we're looking at uh, 2020. And much of these black swan events surround these two individuals as they are fronts for the two bigger world powers, Russia now being kind of supplanted, even though that was Russia, Russia, Russia was all that was in the media for the last four years. Russia's really nowhere to be found in the boogeyman list. So it's these two characters, and they kind of have a, an interesting look on their eyes that between the two of them as one shakes the hand of the other, one with disdain and the other with, what are you up to? So recently, within the past week, in a nearly hour-long speech on Tuesday, the FBI director outlined a stark picture of Chinese interference, a far-reaching campaign of economic espionage, data and monetary theft, and illegal political activities using bribery and blackmail to influence U.S. policy. These were things that we know have been going on for years, 
And finally, finally, Washington has caught up to the fact, or let's just say they're not allowing this to go unresponded to, unresponded to essentially is the best way to put it. Uh, Former FBI director or current FBI director Christopher Wray said, he said China had begun targeting Chinese nationals living abroad, coercing them to return to China and was working to compromise coronavirus research. The stakes could not be higher, Wray said, adding that China is engaged in a whole-of-state effort to become the world's only superpower by any means necessary. And that means that we, the United States or Russia, would then be subservient to China's manufacturing, espionage, and and manpower might. In a a nearly hour-long speech on Tuesday, the director outlined a stark picture of Chinese interference, far-reaching economic uh, campaign of economic economic espionage, data and monetary theft, and illegal political uh, bribery. We've now reached the point where the FBI is opening a new China-related counterintelligence case every 10 hours, he said. Of the nearly 5,000 active counterintelligence cases currently underway across the country, half are related to China. So we have recognized that uh, China being literally the mortal threat to this country. He also said that China President Xi Jinping had spearheaded a program called Fox Hunt and geared at Chinese nationals living abroad seen as threats to the Chinese government. We're talking about political rivals, dissidents, critics seeking to expose China's extensive human rights violations. He said the Chinese government wants to force them to return to China and China's tactics to accomplish that fact are shocking. He continued when the, that China couldn't locate one of their fox hunt targets. The Chinese government sent an emissary to visit the target's family here in the United States. The message they said to pass on The target had two options, return to China promptly or commit suicide. And I really have to wonder whether either option was going to be uh, the end, that that person would eventually meet their end if they had returned to China. So then the other black swan would be Hong Kong. And we have seen that change shapes very, very quickly in just the last two weeks. And just overnight, literally overnight, a new a new base is at a hotel overlooking the city's Victoria Park, a location that has hosted pro-democracy protests for years, including an annual vigil each June marking Beijing's deadly Tiananmen Square crackdown. A Chinese flag overnight was unfurled on a pole erected outside the building while a plaque bearing the emblem of the People's Republic of China went up overnight. The Office for, quote-unquote, safeguarding national security of the, of the Central People's Government in Hong Kong, in Hong Kong, which is now a special administrative region, was inaugurated here on Wednesday morning. So what, what has happened now that they have their security state in place, we just continue to clamp down bit by bit by bit. And how China, guys, is enabled to do this is their control of the Internet. We had a show on, 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 on censorship a couple of weeks back and just how pervasive, how incredibly pervasive this censorship is. So it began with the Great Firewall. Foreign social media websites and messaging apps are blocked. Content removal posts that criticize officials are systematically removed. And then you revoke a person's access. Mobile and internet connectivity is de- designed or denied as a punishment for activism. Online manipulation, paid commentators, drown out government criticism. And if you haven't Googled China clickbait farms or China, uh, 
uh, yeah, they've got to be clickbait farms, and that'd be a good enough example of the extensive apparatus that they have in place to manipulate content, manipulate numbers, manipulate uh, view counts of things, and, and also to harvest advertising money out of American advertisers. It's, it's incredible. If you get play, paid a dime per click, and you go, can go into a room and you have, say, 1,200 phones and three dozen people going through advertising and clicking and clicking and clicking. You can drain a company's advertising budget in hours, literally in hours. And then that company has to go back in, figure out where those clicks went, who viewed the content, and then begin to block times of day, begin to block certain ranges of IP addresses or access from certain countries. It really becomes this kind of warfare to maintain your dollars instead of having Google you know, write your advertising budget check daily off to some clickbait farm in China. And then they are also dealing with legislation, legislating censorship, new laws to tighten regulations on online media, high-tech surveillance. Critics are then arrested. Violence. Digital advocates forcibly disappeared or tortured in detention. There are still citizen journalists that were in the news, and they weren't even really in the news. They were just on the web warning of what was going on with COVID-19, and they still haven't been seen. Three, four, five months later, they have been disappeared. And we don't know exactly what that result is. Are they are they gone for good? Will they make a reappearance? And then the other thing that China uses is, is technical attacks. Dissidents suffer from persistent cyber attacks and spear phishing. And what is uh, kind of scary for me is how the internet freedom in 65 countries around the globe during mid-June of 17 to mid-June of 18, the report details how the Chinese government and tech companies are equipping numerous other countries with this telecom infrastructure to supervise how, basically, how this technology, how this apparatus to maintain control has been spread around the world, all via China's, uh, their internet control apparatus. All right, the other thing would be a, a kinetic war, a kinetic black swan. And recently it has been on the India-Chinese border. And the, the oh my goodness, Scott. Uh, the Prime Minister of, of India made a surprise visit to northern India frontier region with China on Friday. As it is his first trip to the area since a deadly border clash last month. The incident in the Galwan Valley saw 20 Indian troops killed, and it was the first time in 45 years that soldiers between the two died in combat on the Asian giant's long-disputed Himalayan border. Morai toured a military base about 60 miles from the crow fly of, from where that June battle was. This is uh, China also suffered casualties, and I saw a couple reports where that number was in the middle 40s, 47 to be specific, but China hasn't officially given us results. Both sides have blamed each other for the incident and since sent thousands of extra troops to the region. So does that sound like we're coming to an agreement about the border dispute? Or will it simply be both sides building infrastructure and stocking it with supplies, stocking it with military hardware, and then eventually human beings? And, you know, is this an act of neighborly love or is this, you know, we're, we're boarding on another round of, of, um, of aggression? Of aggression from China. All right, uh, China's military has approved 
I guess frontline soldiers is, is what I call this particular one. And we're, we're back to the virus, that which has been the predominant news story for 2020 so far. China's military has proved, approved a coronavirus vaccine for use within its ranks. It has been developed by its research unit and a biotech firm, the company said on Monday. More than half of the 17 candidate vaccines identified by the WHO that are in clinical or evaluation involve Chinese companies or institutes. Makes sense. They sh- they isolated the virus first. They were first to deal with the population, see how it spreads and the, and the symptoms and so forth. The Ken Sino said on Monday that China's Central Military Commission approved the use of the vaccine on June 25th and then gave approval for one year's time. The vaccine was jointly developed by Ken Sino and the Beijing Institute of Biotechnology, a part of the Academy of Military Medical Sciences. It, and its use cannot be expanded without further approvals. You know, we had uh, American soldiers, which were given the regular flu vaccines that also had a coronavirus fragment in there. And what we found from those vaccines, which began in 2018 and then forward, was that our soldiers, by a, a percentage of 34%, were more susceptible to a COVID exp- uh, infection and then a worsening of those symptoms. So I, I'm very curious to see how this vaccine plays out, plays out, and I'm probably grateful that it's happening over there and in amongst this younger population rather than in a gen pop uh, exp- uh, uh, experiment. This is the strongest population to be able to deal with that kind of a vaccine. And then we've got a new virus afoot. Uh, Chinese and British scientists found that a new virus, G4EAH1N1, shares some characteristics with the H1N1. That was the bird flu virus that caused that global pandemic 11 years ago. Among the similarities, a new virus can bind to, infect, and replicate in tissue cells located in the human airways, according to a study published Monday. Blah, 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 blah. The study was part of a surveillance project to identify potential pandemic influenza strains. And what how they found out about it was these researchers had analyzed nearly 30,000 nasal swabs taken from pigs in slaughterhouses in 10 Chinese provinces and another 10,000 nasal swabs from pigs with respiratory symptoms back from 2011 to 2018. So, you know, we've got another variation on, on the bird flu. Uh, asked about those reports of a new swine flu, Anthony Fauci told the Senate subcommittee just this past Tuesday that the virus is, quote, unquote, not an immediate threat, but something to keep your eyes on. And the Chinese over the past week or two have identified a virus in the environment exhibiting reassortment capabilities, Fauci said, and noting that the new virus had characteristics of H1N1 and the 1918 Spanish flu virus. So that's something to watch out for. And these things can flare up. And if they don't jump into humans or the humans can can deal with that viral infection, then okay. You know, then it's not something to be concerned about. But as we're growing a population that is weakened by by coronavirus, by COVID-19, I'm kind of curious to see how this thing will eventually go into the poor pigs. I think if ultimately there was a more humane way of growing livestock, of protein sources, that they would be more resistant to these viruses. And I I could make a kind of a a poor comparison to human beings locked up at home under, under quarantine. Quarantine typically was for sick people, not necessarily for a healthy population. And so these guys either are laughing at us or just enjoying what time they have left because it, it, it's literally stunning the count 
of, of, of swine that have been put down because of, of a viral infection in their population in just the last 18 months. It is truly stunning. And then at that, that wasn't enough. And the little black swan may be the Black Death Plague. Two cases, 24 hours, again, over in the China area. And it is on the border with Mongolia and through their autonomous region. And there was a pair of brothers, 34, I think they were both in their 30s, where they did uh, reported infection with the plague. The two were brothers and were, were getting treatment in different hospitals. It had been noted that both of them had eaten marmot meat. Marmot, for those of you who don't know, is a type of rodent. Again, we're coming back to protein. Protein being uh, literally an essential part of, 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 of the diet. And if we're kind of don't have pigs, if we don't have this, we don't have that, you use what's available. And that apparently caused this particular thing. Yeah, that Spanish flu is kind of a big thing, Vic, and it's something that you talked about. I believe it was last Friday on your show that that was, uh, that was an issue that needed to come up. And Donnie popping in there saying it is alarming for our country's national security that the Chinese military has a vaccine and ours does not. A perfect storm not only for financial domination but physical. And it, it may be that they don't have a vaccine, but nevertheless, there is huge, huge financial incentive for whatever companies to get one out there. And since all, well, their, their nation runs the banks, runs the biotech firms, you've got to have a license to operate. Not that the U.S. is any different, but that ownership then eventually comes back to the CCP. All right, off to the next one. Uh, another nation dealing with China at the border. Uh, we're dealing with a boundary dispute between China and Bhutan. Bhutan and China have no formal diplomatic relations, but have held 24 rounds of boundary talks between 1984 and 16. Obviously, with nothing can be completely resolved. Talks concentrated on north and west Bhutan regions. Eastern Bhutan, not a part of the talks so far. There's sanctuary near to the borders uh, with Arundel. Paradesh. And in June 2020, China attempted to stop a UNDP GEF funding for this region by claiming it was disputed, but was eventually overruled. So we've got China, Bhutan, Nepal, and then Tibet much, much farther up to the north or just off to the north. So, you know, China and their borders. Oh, and now let's talk about the big one. You know, it looked like we were eventually going to have a diffusing of, of these tensions where these two guys, Un uh, and then Xi, just, you know, their borders. You know, if, if, if a North Korea is under quarantine, as they have been, then China has to be their largest trading partner. They're, it's the only boundary that North Korea shares with another nation. I guess there is a little bit of Russia on the far, far northeastern corner, but it is China. China has kept them in oil, has kept them in food, has, has come to the rescue with parts and spare parts and so forth and so on. So I'm very curious to see what the deep 50, 60-year relationship, 70-year relationship is between these two nations and how they have played the West or not played the West. And maybe the West is in cahoots with China and then just using North Korea as, uh, as a point of contention. So this is something, something that uh, is kind of curious. All right, so... In the bigger game, China's Belt and Road Initiative. They have lent their money. They're rapidly expanding credit facilities around the world. And we'll show you a map here shortly. But with what COVID has done is about 40% of their Belt and Road Initiatives have been adversely effective. And a 30, and a further 30 to 40% were somewhat affected. So says the Hong Kong-based South China Morning Post. The BRI Belt and Road Initiative was launched by the current Chinese president when he came to power in 2013. Last 
China last week held the first video conference of the BRI as part of its efforts to re-kickstart these projects. You know, you don't want to have, you know, a port, a railroad, a highway, you know, kind of paused because of health issues. And you've got a billion, two billion, three billion in for it and then not be able to finish the project. Because if you can't deliver it to your end user, then you've reneged on your part of the contract. And then they could say, nope, we're out. And this is what they're afraid of. In a further development, Asian countries, including Malaysia, Bangladesh, Indonesia, Pakistan, Cambodia, and Sri Lanka, have in the recent past either slammed the brakes on or reported delays for these Chinese-funded projects. Many of the countries that took billions of dollars in loans from China to build mega-projects, including motorways, ports, dams, and railways, are knocking on Beijing's door asking for debt repayment freezes or some outright debt cancellations, according to the Post. Um, the earlier president, she promised African countries to write off all of their interest rate loans that are due this year and asked Chinese financial institutions to conduct consultations with African countries on commercial sovereign loan arrangements. And this is how, how um, let's go back because we're not quite done with that, uh, how say in Kenya in Nairobi, where they ended up building this massive port that could not be afforded. Also in Kenya, a huge railway project out to virtually the middle of nowhere. In time, it will get used. In time, it will be an incredible investment in the country. But to be able to make the payments monthly, quarterly, or even annually at the rate to which these projects are being utilized, it simply isn't possible. And when there has been research done by independent auditors, you realize that China sets these, these projects up for failure by design so that they can come in and reown the projects. They've got a foothold in Africa and its incredible natural resources and wealth. And that's, I see, as being the long game with these projects. Something else that China is up to is is annoying their neighbors. Uh, the, the People's Republic of China actions stand in contrast to its pledge not to militarize the South China Sea and the U.S.'s vision of a free and open Indo-Pacific region in which all nations, large and small, are secure in their sovereignty, free from coercion, and able to pursue economic growth consistent with accepted international norms. Vietnam and Philippines. I'm telling you, these are going to be the big guys that will pay this price for what is happening in the South China Sea. A Philippine defense secretary had said that China's exercises near the Parcel Islands were highly provocative, while Vietnam's foreign ministry called them a violation of sovereignty, and the exercises seriously violate Vietnam's secretary, or, uh, sovereignty. So what has happened is China, this is their border up here, uh, Taiwan and, then, and so forth, but they have claimed what they call the nine-dash line, and that literally goes down to and just 12 miles off the coast of Malaysia through Brunei and pushing up against the 12-mile exclusion zone of the Philippines rather than the typical 200-mile. And because well, China says, hey, trillions of dollars of our trade goes through this area, and we need to be secure in that trade. So this is, this is something that is up. And how China has gotten around their shortage of aircraft carrier is to build islands, to literally take these what were just coral reefs and dredge them and put up aircraft and put up ports and, and establish a foothold deep, deep, deep into the South China Sea. I see you guys going over there. Let's see what's happening in here. All right, Donnie, there are those in the human population who have natural immunity to the black 
the Black Death Plague due to past lineage exposure. And all of this natural immunity, is it among the older European familial bloodlines whom were historically exposed and some of those genetic exposed, uh, exposed lines exist here in the U.S.? So we have to figure out uh, if there's immunity there, if it can be utilized, and so forth. Uh, Vicky, whoa, let's run down through here. Defaulting on loans. Yeah, we know that's going to be a problem. Uh, and, and Karen, Don, I do not believe that China has a vaccine. I think there's another power play to deflect. Some, some Similar to the reduced, reduced deaths reported from the initial COVID wave, it would make sense to tell people that you have a vaccine, and so then you could begin to return to normal, even though things aren't normal. And with a population like they have, a massive population like they have in a weakened economy, um, the fewer the numbers, probably the better. Well, set them up for a failure in Africa, lose it. Exactly. They can walk on in there. Um, yeah, unless already shown before, unless they already had one before the virus was released and or escaped into the population. That's kind of where I am, Don, believing that they knew the virus, probably had done some work on it uh, prior to its either accidental release or intentional release, you know, that whole pandemic kind of thing. Yeah, Robin, it sure does look like an aircraft carrier, and that is exactly how it is designed to act, except you get really long runways, you can have a fuel depot in place, you can have dormitories in place, but you're not limited to a, a soldier count or na naval count of uh, 600 soldiers. And they did it. Look at this. They, they bring out the dredgings and they just begin to pull, pull sand, pull rock, pull, coal, pull coal, coral out of the sea and, and build, begin to build an island. Their resourcefulness is truly, truly humbling. And how quickly when you set your mind to it and set the nation's will to something, can something on this grand scale you know, be, uh, be, uh, be accomplished? This was back in early 2016 when I yanked this story. Yeah, March, thir March 31 of 16. And even at that point in time, the Philippines were considering buying its first submarine in response to the mounting crisis in the South China Sea. And his comments came to reporters as the controversy continues to swirl around a series of, of island buildings. And it's, it's not done. It's still underway. And most of this work is, is finished as they, uh, as they continue to, to shift the sands and, and build and build aircraft carriers out to sea. One by one by one by one, it goes up. So then the other thing, the other foothold, outside of islands, outside of vaccines, outside of building bases in the, uh, under the guise of ports and infrastructure uh, projects is 5G. You know, that invisible realm of, of the microwave frequencies, how they have been and really have lured in nations and uh, municipalities and states and telecom companies with the lowest cost access to 3G, 4G, and now 5G, and probably even technology prior to that. But this is, in my opinion, the next foothold that China has been ang you know, anxious to get a hold because what this allows them to, to do is roll back to that one of those earlier slides of censorship. If you can see all of the traffic that's coming through your networks, you can sniff out anything that would be contrary to your, your goals, the party's goals. And because the party runs the economy, runs the healthcare system, runs the military, runs the whole nation with a select few party members 
in those positions of leadership, all of that money that has been being drained out of the Western world and taken over to China ends up in the hands of just a few. So 5G is, is a little bit kind of scary to me, not even for the healthcare reasons. That you know That's an issue, but not for this point in time. What's happening is that China has been taking the lead in the 5G race and expanding its influence in the market, but domestic ambitions are reaching new heights. Chinese authorities, alongside vendors and telecom carriers, are scaling up 5G deployment for social and economic value across sectors. According to the Ministry of, of Industry and Information Technology, these carriers were, will display deploy around 500,000 5G base stations this year alone. This means more and more subscribers registering to the network, which aims to boost the digital economy. 5G as an important engine of this digital economy is a new and key infrastructure to realize the interconnectedness of all things and all devices. This to me is amazing. So they're they're getting their 5G subscribers. It's another contract. It's another cash flow item. And you can earn that back. So, all right, where we are and going to round this up, censorship, censoring the purse, person. You've, you've got somebody that you would disagree with or you know holds different political opinions. So you censor yourself. There are topics you choose not to talk about, simply to keep the peace. Then we're dealing with corporate censorship, where you want to talk or have found a group of people that you agree with, but then that discussion breaches what the corporation is willing to have you talk about. And I'm talking the social media giants here. And then there's sovereign. And that's where we have been for the last 30 minutes is talking about Chinese. Because America isn't coming in and censoring out stuff. No, it's the corporate, and we're coming back to people that get triggered, which are then pleading with the corporates to do the censoring, and that has been enough thus far outside of China. And the next thing is a debt and currency crisis. As we see COVID and health issues continue, then we're going to have uh, an ability or an inability to continue to make bill payments. The other option, and then I read about this last night, was the Hong Kong dollar peg. And if we begin to withdraw U.S. dollars from Hong Kong, then we're going to begin to break currency pegs. And then that becomes an aspect of economic or currency warfare. All right, COVID-19. What if that vaccine, as we're beginning to see trials rolling out now, different companies under different jurisdictions, as those vaccines begin to get from animals, because we've almost skipped the animal, we're going straight into humans, and God knows how that'll end. Uh, what if it fails to generate antibodies? Like people who have been exposed to COVID may generate antibodies in the beginning, but then don't continue to hold on to those antibodies to be able to deal with a second round of exposure. And if that's the case, how is the body? Is it in as good a condition f to deal with a second round, uh, a second attack as it was the first time? This concerns me in many, many ways. And then as we just saw, the stage has been set for Chinese military adventurism in the South, in Southeast Asia in particular, and the companies I would be looking at are the Philippines, Vietnam, and Laos. And what if that plague? What if there are other situations? Or, or what if COVID doesn't achieve whatever agenda was to be achieved by its release into the population? Then maybe we're looking at a round two of some other virus that maybe is on our radar. Maybe it's not. 5G effects become better understood to the scientific community, to the whistleblowers, 
And then what if that understanding then just is known? The population knows what we're allowing into our neighborhoods, into our schoolyards, into our shopping malls, into antennas that are on the top of our apartment buildings, business buildings, and so forth. If we're going to have or see five, well, that's just straight up a half a million fresh antenna installations in China, I promise you, by the middle of next year, we will know what some of those health effects will be. Either we'll have loss of avians, of the birds, of insect loss. We will begin to see its impact on life because they're resonating with the frequency of water. And we're 70% water. It's going to have an impact. All right, what if the U.S.-China trade deal collapses because the economy continues to weaken? I think that's going to be an issue. Then we become... And we take this to an, another stage of economic warfare. The food supply chain fractures, e, or either because we have people who cannot show up to work, because markets that used to take products are no longer there and we can't repackage potatoes you know, that would have gone to the restaurant industry back into two pound, five pound, 10 pound bags to get back into the residences. And if people are not going out to eat, the number of calories a person consumes over the course of a year is going to go down. And so we will see less consumption altogether. And then if these families, if we see these, these, uh, the consumption going down, then that means the prices paid for the products, for the food itself, are going to go down. And we'll ultimately end up with a, a wave of bankruptcies, probably both commercial and then also the small family farmer. And many of these simply, these lands will just not be farmed. They'll just, there's no purpose. There's no market. They'll just lie fallow. And then the other thing is, uh, is that supply chain fractures that will deal with a protein shortage. The other thing is this civilization becomes unstable. That kind of scares me just a little bit. And that would ultimately lead to an aspect of revolution. And I talked about that on Monday. The end game is the globalization inertia has probably run out of steam as decentralization uh, will result in safety. Safety from this, safety from that, uh, uh, more of a, of a reliance on that which you know, rather than grapes from Chile or whatever it is coming from China that may or may not have malware installed or, or spying systems installed. We, we don't know. We really, really don't know. We had companies, uh, computer manufacturing companies, you know, that were getting their motherboards from, from China, and they realized there's, there's report-to-home chips on board. And then that was Supermicro was the name of that particular company. And, and as soon as they realized that, their name was trashed because who would want that brand inside their home-built computer? If you know you're buying you know, a motherboard that has Chinese spyware on it, you're going to rip that thing out and throw it away, and then you're not going to buy from that company again until they can assure their consumers or their purchasers, at least those that are left, that you're safe. So I think globalization will become decentralization, and that's going to apply across many, many topics. And with that, opportunity abounds opportunity bounds. So those who can step out of their boundaries and, and perceive limitations, as we've been talking recently on, the, on this network, uh, Metadime, that opportunities for entrepreneurs, opportunities for those who can change how they think and how they view problems, because there's a, a ton of opportunities that are, not, that are not too far away. All right, guys, uh, that'll kind of round it up. Let's come over here and have a look. 
Uh, Donnie's saying the largest protein available on Earth other than animals is the human race, the Twilight Zone effect. Oh, you're scaring me, buddy. What's next? Are we living life on a movie screen? Absolutely. But who's standing in front of that uh, in front of that screen watching us? Karen, back here to self-censorship is an interesting concept. I think this most on social media, since everything on the Internet is there forever. Self-censorship can be physical, mental, and emotional preservation. It's true because who wants to get you know ripped apart for something that they thought or something that they said uh, just you know weeks, months, and potentially even years ago? We have seen... You know, people digging, they become, you know, notor, uh, have some a little bit of notoriety, and then just scouts going to go raging through their, their Facebook and their Twitter feeds and find all kinds of little goodies in there. So that's really kind of hairy. Uh, Robin, in many ways, we'll see the impact, but don't really trust that we will get the complete picture from China or even the U.S. So we may not even be getting the info that has been collected and that we also have genetic changes that take years and generations to tease out. So true, so true. So we've we've just really begun, and that's why I'm saying there are opportunities, opportunities everywhere. And if you can read between the lines, read between the lines, kind of see what isn't written and listen to what isn't being spoken, although it's out there, you'll be ahead of the game, way, way ahead of the game. And so I think there was one of those other things is either, oh, it's in the comment for the show that... Uh, we either have to, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this right there, or not, because I just disappeared in between the two screens. Um, all right, that the seemingly random events are nothing but random, and each with its own impact upon our world, personal safety, income, and maintenance of the status quo. Great forces are at work to change the status quo, while others stand, stand, stand with it with all their life's energy. Do we run and hide, hunker down, or join the uprising or stand as opposition? And I think we'll all be soon asked to take a side in this looming conflict. All right, guys, uh, thanks for stopping by on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. Be back in uh, just a few hours with a look at weather to see what's going on around the world and uh, in your backyard. All right, I'll see you then. See you next Monday for another Perspective.